Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We've been in a series called How Now Shall We Live? How Now Shall We Live? And today I want to talk to you uh, from the subject, just shift it a little bit. How Now Shall We Love? I want to speak today on your world view. I want to speak on whether it's in, whether the way that you live, act, and engage, is it in the flesh or the spirit? The main verse we are pulling out of Galatians 3 is where Paul says, you're now going to finish in the flesh. He's speaking about the way you engage, live, act, the way that you are going to uh, walk forward in life, having begun in the spirit. You who were born again, became a new creation, are you now going to recreate yourself out of your own strength or your own goodness? Having been brought into the era of mercy and grace, are you now going to go back to the law? Having come into the promised land, are you now going to go back to Egypt? How, from this point forward, are you going to live? And it's a call to the Spirit, to the Spirit, to live in a brand new world, not in the old life or the old style, but in a new kingdom, not in the culture but in church. The question today is how now shall we love? We're talking about being led by the Spirit. I want to read a verse to you, and you can join me in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another. Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. See, love is not God, but God is love. Let's pray one more time together. Holy Spirit, come. Reveal what you want to say to us. Our hearts are open and our minds are open. We need to hear you refresh us and remind us, resurrect us, and rededicate us. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's talk about love. Let's talk about the concept of love. Let's talk about the word, the actions, the emotions of love. It's a, it's a large subject, right? When we talk about love, it's almost I as a preacher know that there's going to be a lot of agreement, but maybe little action, not because we don't want to live in love, but it's such a large concept. It's so ethereal or conceptual that if we're not careful, we can all agree that love is good, that we need to love. In fact, even as Christians that we are called to love, we can all agree on that premise. The problem, though, could, could be is that it's very difficult sometimes to move from conceptual to practical when we talk about love. It's difficult to move from the atmosphere or the feeling or the emotion of love to the reality of its practice in our life, in our mind, on our spirit? How do we move from the conceptual to the practical? Many people are asking today, in this atmosphere, how do I love in a world filled with anger and distrust? How do I love even when I disagree with someone? How do I love and simultaneously disagree? How do I love when I've been hurt? How do I love and not grow cold, not grow bitter, 
How do I love when I'm confused on what it should practically, verifiably look like in the outflowing of my life? Are you having any issues with this? Have you come across these problems lately? How do I love in this day and age? And what does it look like? How now shall we love? There's a culture right now in America and around the world that in reality has lost its love. It's lost seemingly its desire, ability, and acting in love. Love has become a lost art. Love has become a rare action. And it seemed to have disappeared all in a moment. Remember when we began? It was like we're all in this together. Do you remember the unity and love of that? Well, here we are 185 days later, and it doesn't seem like we're all in this together. 185 days later, it seems that we didn't slow the spread. Seems that we're in trouble. Seems like chaos has only grown. Confusion is only, only rising. And it seems that the unity and the love has kind of turned into an undesired way of living right now. Which poses a problem to us as Christians because we believe it's one of the foremost things we're called to. And yet culture is drifting. It's avoiding. It's actively running away from what we would call love. And of course that's what it's going to be because Culture is, of course, a consequence of the world. And don't forget, our struggle is not with flesh and blood. It's not with people, but it's with principalities, rulers, authorities, and high places. That, so there is another action going on. There is another culture. There is another system. It's called the flesh. It's called the old law. It, 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 it's, 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 called, it's called the spirit of the prince of darkness. But we are called to live in radical light. And that light should produce love. So, so, so how can we key off the world if we're going to follow Christ, especially as the world gets darker and we're called to be the light? You can see that we're kind of, we're at a crossroads as a church, as people. We're, we're living in, a, in a, a very real dichotomy of what seemingly the world believes versus how it acts. And, and who are we going to key off of? How now... Are we going to live? How are we going to love? We are in spiritual warfare. If you've been saved for three weeks, you know this. You are in a spiritual battle. The principalities are in heavenly places. And there's ramifications here on earth, absolutely. There's things we're dealing with in our hearts and minds. Spiritual warfare that's coming against you and your home and your nation, and your cities, and your jobs, the spiritual warfare that's coming against it is a spirit of anger that's trying to come on you. And if there's an open door, make no mistake, the devil's schemes are not foolish. He's not an idiot. He doesn't not know what he's doing. He knows the door, uh, the open door. He knows the, the, the hurts, the actions, and and the activities in your life that he can use to exploit to get his foot in the door. Because what's his goal? He wants to bring in a spirit of anger. He doesn't want to just make you angry once. He wants to get that anger rolling on the inside of you. Like a simmering volcano, he wants a spirit of anger in you. The, 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 the spiritual warfare that's coming against you, it, it's not just satisfied for you to be hurt 
It wants a spirit of bitterness to take root, to begin to grow like mold in the darkness. It wants that spirit of bitterness to make your heart cold and your mind begin to shut down. It wants that spirit of bitterness to, to, to grow such a harvest that you begin to isolate from other people. There's a spirit of prejudice that's trying to come on people, trying to come on the nation, where we become, become distrustful of people we're called to love, where we become angry at people we're called to give grace to. Make no mistake, we are in the midst of a spiritual battle, and it is these these. These spiritual things that are trying to come in and grab hold of your life. And here's, here's my question to you. Has this happened to you? Have you gotten entangled with the world? Have you got caught up in some of this stuff? Maybe you haven't even noticed it until as I'm painting these pictures, your heart's saying, that's me. It's happened a little bit. If you pause for a moment and, and turn off all the noise and the Netflix and the next and the, and the worry and the anxiety and you just go into a quiet place, you can sense that there's something else going on in the operating system. Something got in. There's another spirit that didn't used to be there. There's emotions that didn't used to have control. There, there's something going on. If you're quiet, you'll acknowledge that I need help. You need help. Have you gotten entangled with the world and as the ship is drowning, you're caught and it seems like you're being pulled under the waves. I'm here today, church, to remind you who you are. I'm here to remind you who you are. Son, daughter, child of God, heirs of Christ, kings and queens, not mistakes, failures. Your world has not ended. Even if we are in the end times, we will get through it in one way or another into God's glorious grace for our lives. I'm here to remind you who you are, that God did not call you to condemn you, that God did not save you to leave you in a pit, that God did not bring life so that it would end in death and destruction. I'm here to remind you, church, of who you are, of whose you are. You're in the world, but not of the world. You are the royal priesthood. You are the chosen nation. You were bought with a price. You are image bearers of God. You are the ecclesia, the called out ones of the Almighty. And I'm here to tell you that you are called to be led by the Holy Spirit. Not these strange spirits and new doctrines. Not your emotions or even your experiences. You are not called to be led by the state or the government or the figments, imaginations, teaching sayings of man. You are called to be led by one spirit from one God who has all authority and who is leading you into his glorious grace church. Let me remind you whose life, who's, who's worthy of your life, you are called to be led by the Holy Spirit, not the flesh, but the Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit's going to be leading you, leading me, leading us as a church, he's going to lead us into love. You know the fruits of the Spirit, right? The fruits of the Spirit find in the book of Galatians. Say it with me. Write it with me. The fruit of the Spirit are love, 
If you know the other ones, put them in the comments. But this is the one I want to zero in on today. The fruit, the repercussions, the harvest, the, the action, the elements, the attributes, the lifestyle of the Spirit is love. It's, it's not those other things I was speaking of. It's not the, the, those other spirits that are trying to take hold of you. The Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ produces something in your heart and your mind and your reality. And the very first thing he produces is love. If you're missing this, you're missing him. If you're missing this, you're missing this spirit. You've got, you, you went off somewhere. You get caught in the woods somewhere. You, you, you took a wrong turn. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will always produce something in the life of a believer. And if you are a believer, a Jesus follower, the fruit of the Spirit is love. So therefore, if you're a Jesus follower, love should be your lifestyle. That's my point today. Love. More than a concept, more than an emotion, more than a relationship, more than who you're dating, relating, mating, it, more than all those things. Love is more than a state of being, a consciousness. Love is more than, more than um, uh, uh, a, a, an atmosphere shift. Love is more than a, a, a movie. Love is more than what's written, books, poetry. Love is, for Christians, it's a lifestyle. Love is a way in which we engage with the world. This is what the Apostle Paul has to say about love. He says, love is the more excellent way. It's the more excellent way. Do you want to hear today about the more excellent way? He says to the people uh, in Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians, he's writing to an audience and um, and he's addressing a lot of problems. If you ever read the book of Corinthians, it's pretty serious. And he's, the first thing he addresses is the divisions that are trying to come into the church. And then from there, he goes on to the perversions that are trying to come on to the people in the church. And then after that, he begins to address the fact that they are getting an anti-authority spirit on them. And they're, they're rejecting all they're rejecting all of the spiritual authority that God put in their life. You catch this? Here's who he's writing to. People that are consumed with lawlessness, that have a ton of divisions and perversions in their culture. Does this sound familiar? Sound like he's writing to anyone you've ever heard of? He could write this letter to all of our churches today. That's how relevant it is. And speaking to these people, he begins to tell them about the supernatural gifts, the spiritual gifts. And he says, look, God gives these gifts healing and, and prophecy and speaking in tongues, he puts them together so that you could come together in unity, so that the church can be built up in love. But check this part out. He says, but can I tell you, after he speaks about the whole uh, ways of the supernatural gifts, he says, but can I tell you, there is a more excellent way, even greater than the supernatural gifts, even greater than prophecies and healing." Even greater than all the things that we as a church would lift up and say, that, that's a powerful worship set. Man, that person's got authority. Woo, did you hear preaching like that? Paul says, can I tell you something that's even better than all of that? Better than the greatest conference you've ever been to? Better than the most ecstatic word that produced deep emotions in you? Better than when the preacher's preaching? Can I tell you something that's better than all of that? Even better than all the supernatural gifts, 
there's a more excellent way. He says it's, it's very simple. It's the way of love. Don't forget he's writing to church people about how they're called to interact with each other. We're about to read 1 Corinthians 13. This is a, this is a, a chapter that's primarily read at weddings and at funerals. And so we almost don't read it in church because it's been a bit cliche and, you know, it's, it's crocheted on whatever you crochet on, framed and put in people's houses and bathrooms and become little Pinterest notes. And, and we've almost said like, oh, this is so good. But, but do you know the context, who he's writing to and what he's writing about? Look, he's saying, let me show you a better way than even all the supernatural stuff. Let me show you a more excellent way in how you would communicate with each other as a church and how you would engage with each other when you disagree, on how you would act towards your brothers and sisters in the church. 1 Corinthians 13 is not just about weddings or funerals. It's about how to live as a Christian. Look, look, he begins 1 Corinthians 13 saying, this is the more excellent way. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, I'm just making noise. I'm just loud. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and, and I've got all knowledge and if I have a faith that can literally move mountains but I do not have love, then I am nothing. He says, if I give all I possess, give it to the poor, and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. All of your spirituality, your supernatural gifts, all of your sacrifice is nothing if you do not have the mind of Christ, which is love. And then he begins to define these are the attributes of what love really is. He says, love, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. Love's not proud. Walking around with its head stuck up, knowing who's wrong, who's right, who did what, when. What they should have done, shouldn't have done. It's, that's, that's not what love is. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. Love doesn't, doesn't demand your acknowledgement of what I did for you or the amens or the repercussions of doing good things. It, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love is not easily angered. And more than that, it goes a step further. And it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Husbands, wives, love doesn't know every specific thing you did going back 20 years wrong, ready to pull it out in the moment of need, in the midst of that argument. What would a culture look like? What would a church look like is if, if when we forgave, we really moved on? What if we intentionally forgot people's offenses towards us? Because, see, that's Paul. It's the word of God's definition of love, is to choose 
to not remember. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, God removes our sin from us. God that knows all things. God that is omniscient and omnipotent. He chooses to forget our sins. Why? Because God is love. Keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Love's not looking to expose, mock, belittle, show you up, or show itself off. That's not love. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. My love keeps going. It doesn't give up at the first conflict. Love makes it through. Love has the fight and comes out better. Love says even through this disagreement, there's going to be an overriding spirit of unity. Now you might be saying at this point, Jordan, what kind of person could ever have this? No kind. But the Spirit of God has this. And if you could get the Spirit of God on you, you will begin to exemplify this in your lifestyle. It goes on and says, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they'll, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And then look at this last part right here. It says, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. For then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I, should, I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. When all else fails, that's what remains. When everything crumbles, that's what remains. They will outlast empires. Even earth itself will be wiped away, but these three things will remain. Faith, God, you are good. Hope, the best is yet to come. And love, and the greatest of these is love. If you have to have only one of them, and if they have to be ranked, Paul's saying choose love. That's the number one. It's the exemplified in Jesus Christ. The greatest of these is love. So here, here's my thought, Awakening Church. The way of love. If we are to live in the way of love, have that lifestyle, will we not have a life that looks radically different than the way of the world? Will our speech and our thinking the way we raise our children, will it not be radically different than the way of the world? I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, but I am saying if you have the spirit of Jesus, which will bring the spirit of love on your mind, in your heart, and your actions, will your actions not be different? And the way you think and communicate be radically different? Again, not perfect, but being perfected. Why? Because I'm led by the Holy Spirit, not any other strange spirit. This is my challenge to you, church. Is this your lifestyle? When you read those verses, can you say, yeah, those are being worked in me and reflected by me. Do you have that lifestyle of love? 
Or is your mind set to mocking? Or is your mind set to belittling? Or is your mind set quickly to be angered? Quickly to tell everyone what's wrong with them? Quickly to have a list of what they've done wrong and how they've wronged you? Because if that's the way that you live, we got to reckon the fact that you might be operating not under a holy spirit. And maybe that Holy Spirit doesn't love you. Maybe that Holy Spirit isn't for you. In fact, maybe that other spirit is lying to you, trying to lead you in another way. For the Holy Spirit does love you. He is for you, and he will lead you into the way of all truth, which will begin to personify the God of love. Because love leaves a mark. Love, it just leaves a mark on you. That you have something distinct and different on your life. Jesus says this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Here's the one distinction. Here's the thing that everyone that sees you can understand who you are. One thing that will set you apart. One thing that will make you different. What is it, Jesus? What's the thing that would make us look like you? He says, they will know you if you have love for one another. Notice that he didn't say love for God because it's sometimes easier not sometimes, it's always easier to love God than to love the imperfect brother and sister you have to actually daily interact with. But Jesus says, yeah, but that's the thing. That's the thing that everyone's gonna say something is different about them. Why? Because they love each other. There, 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 there's, there's no spirit of anger, violence, hatred. There, there, there's, there's no disunity. It's their love for each other that will begin to reflect Jesus. The number one identifying marker of following Jesus is loving other Jesus followers. It's one of the things that's just on you. So spiritual and yet it's able to be seen in the natural. See, I think one of the problems right now is that we have disregarded this call from Jesus that love be our divine marker. And, and, and we've accepted other things being our divine markers. Maybe, maybe it's our, maybe it's our, our whatever, you would, whatever you would accept as your identity over Jesus Christ. We've allowed those things to set up into tribalistic natures, into separate groups, and everybody's got to choose a side, and none of it is Christ-like. None of it's born of the Holy Spirit. It's born of strange ideologies of people that do not know Jesus. People that do not operate under grace and love and mercy. It, 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 it operates under people that, that are operating under a strange spirit and false doctrines. And yet, if we're not careful, we can ally ourselves with things that have not allied themselves with Jesus. What, what am I talking about? What I'm saying is the identifying marker of you is Jesus, his spirit, his love that's on you and in you and through you. That's the thing that sets you apart is your love for those that God has put you around. I think the problem right now is everyone, it's, we've devolved into profiles, not people. We're profiles with opinions and informations and sides and groups. And, and, and we've got all the data and we've got all the knowledge, and we've got all the right answers, but you know what we're missing? Love. We're missing love. You might be right, but if you have no love, who cares? 
I pray the church doesn't miss the foremost distinguishing nature that God died in order to give us. A spirit of love for imperfect people. Love for those God put us around. You know what love sounds like? Love sounds like this. Hey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. You know what love sounds like? Love sounds like, I didn't realize you felt that way. What does love sound like? It sounds like, I value you, you over this thing. So I'm not going to bring it up anymore. Or I'll let it go. Or I, I, I'll choose you. I'll, I'll, I'll get rid of that thing. You know what love sounds like? Love sounds like, hey, you know what? Let's move on. I'm with you. I'm for you. We're not going to fully agree. But you matter more than that. That's what love sounds like. I think the problem right now in the church, certainly in culture, but we can't speak to culture. I can speak to the church. I think the problem right now in the church is many people are throwing away God-ordained friendships over trivial disagreements. They're throwing away 10 years of friendships because they got a spirit on them that's unholy. Because they, they disagree over something that's just brand new or rearing its head. They've got caught up in a way of thinking or a way of living. And they're allowing it to isolate one from another, which is certainly what the enemy wants. Many people are throwing away God-ordained relationships because of trivial disagreements. Can I tell you, it's going to get awkward in heaven because you're both going to be there. And even though they didn't use the hashtag that you wanted them to use, they're both going to be there. And even if they wear a hat that you don't like, you're both going to be there in heaven for eternity. You won't even talk to each other at church. Can you think 500 years? You're going to go for a jog on the celestial waters and the golden paths. And you're just going to be running. There's, there's that person. Ugh, can't talk to him because I unfollowed him on Facebook back in 2020. But now it's the year <laughs> 10 million five. I don't know. I don't know what years are going on in heaven. You think about it. How foolish are we going to be to drop love and pick up the world's junk when in the end the world's junk is going to pass away. But what will remain is faith, hope, and God's love. Come back to the cross. Come back to each other. Come back to unity. Come back to agreement even in your disagreements. Can you say, though we disagree, we love each other because Christ first loved us? And can we move forward even if we're not 100% the same people with the exact same agreements, with the exact same lifestyle, with the exact same way of seeing the world? Could our different perspectives bring us into, into a greater place when it's bound together by love? Hear me, listen. We're not going to have the election until November 3rd. If you think it's going to get better before that, you're crazy. The spirit of disunity that's coming into the nation is only going to get wider and wider. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, church, let's start right now. Am I being too real for you? Let's start right now and make the decision, despite disagreement, we are going to operate under a different spirit than the world is operating under. We're going to come together in unity because Jesus loved us. Therefore, I am going to love you. I pray you're going to love me.
And I pray we're going to give each other grace and mercy. That God can bring a spirit of agreement, a spirit of unity that overcomes whatever strange stuff is happening in this world. I pray that the world grows in unity over the next few months. But even if it doesn't, I'm not called to live by the world. I'm called to live by the kingdom. Are you with me, church? I pray when you get to heaven, you're going to see a lot of people that you agreed with, that you disagreed with, but you'll be happy to see all of them. And they'll be happy to see you. Why? Because there's a spirit of love, freedom, liberty that the Holy Spirit has brought on them and you. Look at this in Galatians. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't go back to who you once were, but through love. What should we do? Serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But here's the warning. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. What's Paul saying to the Galatians? He's saying, come on, you know the righteous action is to love one another. But if you insist on snipping at each other and biting at each other and having petty squabbles and little disagreements, eventually you're going to eat each other alive. He says that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you to a place where there is unity. Does that mean we have to all agree? Does that mean we have to all become exactly the same, all become one? No, no. You can speak the truth. You can be yourself. You can be who God's called you to be. Look at Ephesians 4, 15. It actually says this. It says, speak the truth. Speak the truth, but do it in love. Do not use the truth as a weapon to harm. Do not weaponize. Do not weaponize the word of God at the people of God. Speak the truth in the spirit that it was written, the spirit in love. If we do that, we'll grow. Notice that. That when you speak the truth, you end up growing, but it's got to be done in a spirit of love. To become in every respect the mature body of him who is at the head, that is Christ Jesus. I remember one time I was uh, in a job. I'd been there for a week or so, and I'm I had moved across the country, and I was kind of confused as to everything that I was supposed to be doing. It was really one of my first jobs uh, outside of the church. I grew up working for Pastor Mike here at the church and uh, doing whatever he told me to do. And so um, when I went to Seattle, I, I got a similar job working in the church, and, and uh, I, 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 I wasn't sure about, you know, all of the policies and everything. So one time I was, I was in... Um, my boss's office, and I had done some stuff wrong, and I was asking, I was kind of confused about the processes to be officially hired and all of that, and this, this person just began to ramp up in their anger. They felt self-justified that they were talking to an idiot, so they just began to ramp up in their con, not just condemnation, but uh, well, we'll leave it at that, and, and started coming down on me with, with all of these, uh, these things. I, I felt like an ant. The more that they spoke, the smaller I got. The more beat down I got. The more that they spoke, the more I began to accept their words. And, and uh, I was just a kid, so I didn't, I didn't have much of a backbone. I didn't have many experiences. And so I just began to think, like, man, I, I am bad. And my friend, one of my good friends, he was in the room as well. And he was standing right next to me. And as 
The boss was shouting over me. I remember looking at him for support, and he looked at me and just wouldn't look up. You know, one of those moments where no one's looking up. We are, we are clearly staring at the ground, you know. And I remember thinking, what do I do? Do I flip out? Do I react? Do I scream? Do I run at this guy? What do I do? Because, I don't know, it, it, it was just like, it was, it was like a spiritual happening that was coming over me. Like, as if there were toxic Toxic fumes being poured over me. And all of a sudden, that moment, I heard the Holy Spirit say, has Pastor Mike ever spoken to you like this? I heard it clear as day. Has Pastor Mike ever spoken to you like this? Because I worked for him my whole life, and I certainly didn't get it all right. There were plenty of times he could have yelled at me, but I heard it. Did Pastor Mike ever speak to you like this? And I said, not really. Not really. What the Holy Spirit was showing me was, those that love you aren't going to talk to you like this. Those that love you are not going to allow this spirit to be spoken, cascaded over you. So what did I learn from that in that moment? I said, this then must be another spirit. This can't be the spirit of love. This has got to be another spirit. Whether it's the truth or not, I, I, I don't know. But I know what God sounds like, and I know what people of God sounds like, and I know what it sounds like when people are speaking in agreement with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't sound like this. Therefore, I reject not only the words, but I reject the atmosphere by which you are delivering them into my heart and soul. I come out from that waterfall of anger, and I come into the Holy Spirit, and I say, Holy Spirit, thank you for showing me that this was not your spirit. Now I need for you to cleanse me, help me forgive this guy, let me move on with my life. Why? Because I want to be built up. When you speak the truth, that's good. But make sure you speak it in love. And in the end, it will not tear people down, condemn them, be filled with anger. It will build people up into maturity that they might grow closer to God. Let me ask you, when you leave God's presence, how do you feel? Do you feel built up, matured, grown up? Can I ask you, when people leave your presence, how do they feel? Do they feel like love has cascaded or poison? Anger, frustration. My question, I guess, is can you be a conduit for God's grace and his mercy and his Holy Spirit? Because people right now, they need encouragement. They need kindness. They need a, a word of faith spoken over their life. We are getting chaos and anger from all sides. But if you could be a conduit for God's presence to flow through to other people, I am telling you, I am telling you, it could change your world and the people's worlds around you. But hear me, if there's a bunch of junk and gunk that are causing all the, the pathways of the presence to, to, to stop, if you've got a bunch of, like, like when you have gutters and the rainwater can't go in because there's all those leaves, the Holy Spirit's coming in right now. And he's convicting you because he's saying, here's why. I not only want to get this stuff out of your life, I want to be able to flow through your life into other people's lives. Church, we're called to be conduits of God's love and his mercy that he might flow through us so all that come around us are not torn down but are built up. You might be asking right now, well, what about, what about my enemies, though? What about those who think different than me, believe different than me, that have different politics, different perspectives? What about those that I hate and hate me. What about those that accused me or divorced me or manipulated me 
Do I have to love them as well? Forgive? Be merciful? What about those that betrayed my confidence? What about those that have fallen short of my expectations of them? What about those that did do something that actually hurt me a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago? What about the people in my life that are anything but Christ-like? What about them? Jesus would say to you today, to those that will listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not even demand them back. And as, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend, lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. See, those that have experienced grace, they cannot ever withhold grace without being hypocrites. Those that have experienced mercy have the great honor to give mercy. We can love because Christ so loved. It can be our lifestyle because he gave his life that we can even have a life. My question is, is love your lifestyle, church? Or has it slipped? Have you got caught up in the ways of the world? Have you got caught up in the occasions of culture? Are you slipping down into the muck and the mire of this spiritual Oppression that's trying to come on the whole nation? Or are you coming intentionally back to the cross of Jesus Christ every day to receive love that you might give love? Church, will you come back to the lifestyle of love? My challenge to you is this. Will you now be God's love to others, his conduit to others? Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.